ministry to men, if we touch the heart of a man, I believe we touch the soul of a nation. I believe if we raise up fathers all over the world, we solve an issue called fatherlessness, which is the leading indicator of poverty in every culture in the world, every part of this nation. And I believe it's why we're seeing what we see there in the Middle East. We see orphan spirit and fatherless young men who are uh, acting out of their rage and their anger, being controlled by older men, moving out of their own vanity and their lust. And so young men have always paid the price for the vanity of older men. And so, uh, so we do ministry to men in over 100 nations. I was just in, uh, just go back from Brazil. We have over 9,000 uh, Christian Men's Network men's groups meeting across Brazil. I think that's awesome. This is in Vietnam. Uh, just before that, uh, August 2nd, two, last two weeks of August, and we have about 1,000 churches using this curriculum to minister to men in Vietnam. And I mean some stuff, awesome stuff's going on. Um, I want to get right into something. It's, it's, in, uh, it's in the book of John. We'll stay in John, John chapter 20. So if you kind of get there. My wife and I, hey, do we have a photo of my wife and I and our, our family? I think we have a, a photo. Uh, Judy and I have been married uh, 52 years. Dude, it's like, like we hit 50 and we go, all right, well, that worked. Well, let's see if we can do another 10, you know, see what happens. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of this, uh, of, the, of the thing where the, the, all the academics were meeting, trying to, trying to figure out what's the difference between the word finished and completed. You know, how academics studying over these little things, a little nuance and semiotics and and they're looking at what's the difference between the word finished and completed. And they, they just had this thing all day long. And finally, a man stood up at the end and said, let me just tell you what the difference is. When, if a man marries the right woman, he's completed. If a man marries the wrong woman, he's finished. If a man marries the right woman, but she catches him, with the wrong woman, he's completely finished. So that's between those words. 52 years. Did we get that? Did we find that photo? Didn't find it. It's all good. And uh, but she's fantastic and spectacularly beautiful and an amazing gammy. And uh, we're we're madly in love. I showed Cameron my text that I got this morning with like all those hearts. You know, it's from Gammy. He's like, ew, like. And uh, a warrior is not a man of war. A warrior is a man of peace who understands that peace is always a result of strength. Peace is why Jesus came. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Christ in the middle of the conflict. If you're in the middle of a storm, that means you're alive. Because life is, is based on the presence of Christ in the middle of a living life, and he's the Prince of Peace. That means you're either in a storm or you just came out of a storm. Come on, walk with me. Or you're about to go into a storm. And what these men who are about to be commissioned have learned and what's been inculcated into their lives in the incarnation of Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit and power in them is they've learned to be men of strength and that to be a leader is to serve. And so when we talk about, and you hear Pastor David talk about those who serve here, it is a servant leadership. 
leadership always comes from serving. And, and, uh, if, and that's true not only within this life, within this house, but it's true in your business. It's true in every part of your life. That when you serve, you become greater. When Jesus said to pray, he said, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven. Why is that? Because we think in images. We think in images. We don't think in hieroglyphics and letters and numbers. We think in images. And so when God said, when Jesus said to pray this way, our Father, he was giving you and I the highest image that he could bring to us of who he is. He didn't say pray, O great sovereign one. O great creator, O great Jehovah Rapha, those that would be fine. But he said, pray our Father. Why? Because he's personal. When he created the earth, he spoke a word. When he created the things that exist, he spoke words. But when he created you and I, he reached down with his hands, grabbed the dust, created us, and then blew breath in us. We were made to be intimate with God our Father. That's why the Holy Spirit is called his breath. It's his breath that brings us life. That's why the core of a man or a woman is formed in the breath of their father. That when a child, and it's been medically proven, and, and a friend of mine, Warren Farrell, who wrote a book called A Boy Crisis, talks about this. And Lynn Sweden, the book The Well-Played Life, talks about, about when, a, when a boy or girl is held close by their father, there's something that centers in them. They find their center, and we find our center in the breath of our Father. And that's why he said, I'm your heavenly Father. I'm the Father who will never leave you, and the Father who will never forsake you, the Father who is always there, the Father that loves you with a passion. Paul said this to the church at Corinth. He said, you have 10,000 instructors. He's, he's wanting to describe to them how he loves them. Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, you have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. See, an instructor will tell you what he knows, but a father gives you who he is. Instructor will give you his mind, but a father gives you his heart. An instructor will put limits on us, but a father always releases us. So the release of God the Father in our lives was through the cross of Jesus Christ when Jesus there in front of his mom and Lazarus's sister and his best friend John and, and others said, I forgive them. I forgive them. And he gave us this amazing gift, forgiveness. See, the power of love is that love always gives. God so loved the world that he, what? The little thing that he had with Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, here's the difference between love and lust. And it's what these men have learned. As they're, as they're going through these materials, the difference between love and lust. Love is always the desire to benefit others, even at the expense of self, because love always desires to give. Lust, and it's the world in which we live, a culture of lust, desires to gain at the expense of others because lust always desires to get, always desires to hold on to, doesn't want to let go. What we learn in the kingdom of heaven, what Pastor David was talking about is, talking about our giving of our tithes and offerings, is sacrifice in the kingdom of heaven is always about gain. Sacrifice is never about loss. It's counterintuitive. Thank you, brother. It's good. It's awesome. Got one. Got one. Got one. 
love hearing that baby. You know, uh, I love the sound of babies. You know, I'm a, I'm a abuelo, you know, so I'm like, bam. And uh, it's awesome. Love hearing the sound of baby. And I loved watching uh, some of the moms up here with the little kids, you know, in praise and worship. And I'm thinking, you know, uh, worship babies are the healthiest babies. Right? It's like dancing and stuff. It's awesome. Okay, sidebar. Sorry. Come back. Here we go. You know, in fact, uh, speaking of abuelos, uh, this week we are, uh, we have two events happening this week that Rock City is a part of helping fund and underwrite, so your offerings will help with that, the missions uh, giving of this church that gives around the world. And uh, this week we're actually in Cairo, Egypt, launching our first Arabic translations of Maximize Manhood. And I can't think of a better time uh, to do that. So we've got a whole team, Steve Trevino is heading that up, and Ferris Abraham, who's a Palestinian who called me about his family. And so they're heading that up in Cairo. And at the same time, Thursday night in Mexico City, and then uh, in Puebla and uh, Monterey, we're, we're relaunching Christian Men's Network Red Day Hombres in Mexico. Is that awesome? Yeah. I'm really fired up. We've done a new translation of Hombre Maximo, Maximize Manhood, in Spanish, the language of heaven, because that's what we're all going to be speaking which is what Dennis talked about Friday night. That was awesome. If you weren't there with, with uh, Pastor Marlene, that was an amazing event. It was fantastic. Amen. Give her a hand on that. Everybody for her is involved in that. Father provides uh, six things for their children. This is what God provides for us. Love, acceptance, value, you're worthy, intimacy, discipline, and security. God is our Father. One of the things that so often we have a tendency to do is frame God within our human understanding. In Luke uh, 22 and uh, Matthew 27, Jesus is on the cross, and he says this line. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so often, you and I get caught up in that, and we hear that, and we go, well, God turned his back on his son. And then you and I are talking about a father who loves us and is always there and says, I'll always be with you. Wait a second. There's a little tension right there. Would you agree? Yeah. Amen. There is. It's a little tension. So how do, how do we resolve that tension? Turn to Psalm 22. I want to read just... A couple things out of there, and then we'll finish this up in the Gospel of John. When Jesus was young, uh, and when he turned 30, he read from Isaiah 61, and he read his decree or his value statement of who he was, here to set at liberty those who are captive, here to set people free. And he read from Isaiah 61, and it was handed to him in some scrolls. The only way that he would be handed some scrolls in the synagogue on a Saturday was that he was in line with three other men. And they were the readers. The only way you qualified to be a reader, because Jesus didn't go, hey, uh, you know, Jamal, come up and read. It wasn't like that. It was, it was you had to qualify, and he was handed. And then over the period of those three men, it was then handed to him, and it was exactly at the right spot at the right time. Took 18 months to read through this, and at exactly the right time, Jesus is handed the scripture on a right there, right at that spot. The odds are infinitesimal. Infinite. The odds are huge. 
It's a good word in writing. And, uh, and so he's handed that. He reads that. The only way you could do that is you had to be, uh, you had to lead the singing. So you lead the singing. You're a cantor. You lead the singing. You qualify then to be a reader. So Jesus had led the singing. Now in those days, everybody memorized everything. It didn't have the, didn't have this stuff, didn't have the overheads. Everybody memorized the song. So what you did when you begin to sing a song, you would start with the first verse. This is the day. This is the day. That okay, that's old school. All right. But you, you understand what I'm saying? You know, you, you sing the first verse and everybody joins in. So when Jesus said that on the cross, what was he doing? Turn to Psalm 22. It says this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hang on. Wait a second. That's what he said on the cross. What was he doing on the cross? See, his mother's there. Other people are there as disciples. And Jesus begins a song. It's Psalm 22. It's called the Song of the Cross. And in Psalm 22, which finishes with the telestai, which finishes with the word, it is finished, by the way. In that psalm, he talks about, it all talks about, it's all the prophecies of David about what's happening on the cross at that moment. And in that, it says, it finishes with, and, and the things that are happening with God, the things that are happening with his son, will be told for generations to come. In other words, it's a song of comfort and joy and triumph and victory. That's our Father. The Father who will never leave us, never forsake us. Turn to John 20 with me, verses 22 and 23. I had a friend, and we can do the keyboard thing and sort of get into the commissioning deal. But I want to... I want to hit, hit us with this because this is the love of our Father. He forgave us. We didn't love Him. He forgave us. It's the most powerful thing you can do for someone is either give or forgive. Give or forgive. I had a friend who was a pastor in Miami now. It's a great church. and He grew up, I, I remember we were playing golf. Well, I was, he was playing golf. I was playing at golf. It's a big difference. And... Uh, I asked him his story, and he told me about his abusive father who was alcoholic. And, and uh, when he was 12 years old, he decided he would, when he turned 16, he was lived, grew up in Argentina. And, and he, could, he could then uh, sign a contract at 16. And uh, so he would beat up his dad as bad as he could and leave. And that's what he decided. When he was 15 years old, he got invited to a youth meeting. He gave his life to Christ and forgave his dad. And... Uh, he still left when he was 16, just didn't beat him up. And we were talking about that. And he has a brother, a younger brother. And I said, what about your brother? And he said, no, man, he, he hated dad. Still hates him. It's really. Now, my friend's in his mid-40s. and His brother's early 40s. And I said, well, what's, what's he like now? He said, man, the guy's been in and out of relationships. Been all messed up. And in fact, he's an alcoholic just like my dad. It's really. He said, you ever... Think about this, this verse in John 20, 22, and 23. Jesus is talking to his disciples and says he breathed on them. Remember we talked about the breath of God, the centering of who God is, his Holy Spirit. It says receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23. If you forgive the sins of anyone, having received the Holy Spirit and being led and directed by him, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are 
tank. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart because out of your heart comes your life. He's our Father. He never abandoned us, never left us. He forgave us. And then he said this. He said, I want your heart to be clean. I want it to be new. So what Jesus did on the cross in forgiving us, I want you to do that for others because that forgiveness of Christ released us. Released us. Sin and guilt and shame, the things we carried, it, it set us free. And so that when we forgive others, it doesn't just set them free, it sets us free. The Bible says if you if you hold on to something, it's in your heart. And then Proverbs 4 says you become what's in your heart. And my friend's brother was still dealing with the things he held in his heart. And the things that he had held and the bitterness and the anger toward his dad that he held in his heart is what he became. My friend that forgave his dad, free man, able to share with others, love others. What you retain, you become. Over the next few moments as we commission these men, this is a ministry of forgiveness. This is a ministry where men have walked through three years being together, talking with each other, praying with each other. I heard some of the stories over the last couple days. Guys going, man, I was, the first, by the second class, I was done. Not going to do this. Not going to do this. I can't forgive that person. Can't forgive that guy. Can't do this. And by the, by the end of this time, it's like, man, I forgive them all. Right? Just God bless them, love them, pray for them. You know, my friend in Miami, uh, he was kind of a part of his relationship, had forgiven his dad, but had kind of said, well, I'll just push it off. And I was talking to him sometime after that. And I said, you know, the fifth commandment is honor your dad. He said, oh, I don't know, man. And uh, so finally called him and uh, said, hey, I'm building a new house. I'd like you to come dedicate the house. True stories. Adam comes, he said, uh, my dad's, you know, had been married a few times, and now he's with another lady. And he said, so I didn't know my dad's a little rough, and I, dad, I'm going to have you pray over the house. His dad hadn't told him in 30 years, I love you. Just like, hey, yo, what's up? That was it. So, well, dad, I want you to pray for the house. He goes, man, I don't know if he was going to swear. A little prayer, you know, like, God, thank you for this plank house he said but you know he started he said my dad had never seen him cry before he got up he's praying over a house you know just some people there begin to cry and uh, when my friend dropped his dad off the airport a little while later uh his dad turned to him hugged him and says you know i love you i've always loved you I've always been proud of you forgiveness opens forgiveness releases forgiveness sets free forgiveness makes new would you bow your heads with me right now? And as the men get ready to be commissioned, moving into position, I'd like us to pray. There may be an ex-business partner, an ex-spouse, someone that you used to run with that you need to forgive right now. It may be your father. It may be somebody else. It may have been a teacher in third grade. Said something to forever 
has uh, caused you problems. Right now, in this beautiful moment, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, Father, I ask you to help my friend forgive those who have hurt them. You taught us this in the Lord's Prayer, that as we are forgiven, we forgive others. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this moment, and I thank you right now for helping us. Just do that. We'll take another 20 seconds. Just You can breathe that to yourself. Just forgive that person who hurt you. Some of us need to forgive ourselves because we hurt someone else. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for the power of forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for you're the Father who is always there. You didn't abandon your son, and you will not abandon us.